Good morning. It's good to be with you. I'll let you just get used to my accent. Um, back home in Austria, I'm speaking German, but I, I'm from the same nation as Dave. So yeah, it's, it's good English that's going to be coming. I honor your pastors this morning. Brave people to start a church 10 years ago, and then to have a church like this, not just the building, but you all, a community of people that are just being light and salt here. On your website, it says, a place to belong. I can imagine lots of people feeling very happy to belong here. I would if I lived here. I'd wanna belong here with these great people. So it's a joy to be here. Um, as Dave said, the only downside is that my husband's not here, but I've brought him on a photo because you need to meet Johnny. He's a larger-than-life kind of guy. Um, he's back in Vienna today. We did church on Saturday, yesterday. That's because we're a church to reach those who are not in church yet. And a lot of Austrians, they don't understand, have never been to church on a Sunday, but are happier to come on a Saturday afternoon. So I watched him preach. So that's, that's my husband, Johnny. We've been married. Soon it'll be 38 years. No, we weren't teenagers when we married. <laughs> it's amazing what makeup can do. Um, we've been in ministry all those years together as missionaries for 37 years in, in Austria. It's not the nation of either of us. Um, some of you might ask, well, is, is that the place where they have kangaroos? No, Austria is not the place where we have kangaroos. We'll show you, Austria is right in the center of Europe. It's a landlocked little nation, the red spots, Vienna. That's where I get to call home. And it's a strategic place, but an untouched people group. Yeah, we speak German. See, how can you be un, an unreached people group in Europe? Well, we are. The statistics say 0.5% evangelical Christians in that nation. Whole towns and areas where there's not yet a church, but we get to be there and have been there for a long time. So let me show you my family. They're um, all back in Vienna. So just so you get the international feel of who we really are. So um, my husband's half Italian and half French, grew up down in the on the Mediterranean. My mother-in-law is on the, on the photo, she lives with us, she's from Paris. My three adult kids were all born in Austria, speak German, but feel very European. Um, my son-in-law is Persian, he originates from Iran, and I have two little granddaughters, Eve and Noah. Eve is six, Noah's three. They don't quite know what nationality they are, but... <laughs> Uh, my little granddaughter can sing songs in six languages. She speaks to a third one coming on fluently. So, hey, that's how we roll in Central Europe. That's just, <laughs> just how it is. And um, we don't have any dogs and cats. We don't do pets, but we do live in the suburbs of Vienna, and we have a badger, a fox, and a beaver that visits us regularly in our yard. So it's like... That's good. I love animals, but don't like them in the house too much, but that's how it works. 
And so uh, when we sit as a family at Christmas or on Sundays around a dining table, um, we have lots of languages flowing. It's just how it is, but there's a little word that can be heard going to and fro. And um, with my, my husband and, and his mum, it'll be see. With my oldest son and grandma, it'll be we. With lots of us, it'll be ya. With my, if my um, daughter's parents-in-law are in the house, it'll be le ballet from Farsi. And of course, I stick with the good old English, and this little word is yes. And that's the, the, the title of my preach this morning, the power of this little word, yes. And so it's going to be in three parts, just so you know where you're heading and when I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story because I look back to a historical yes when I was just a teenager that changed the course of my life, has had a ripple effect from then on, which means right now we're changing a nation. Then I'm going to look at uh, at least one, I hope two, little biblical stories where Simple yeses from very simple people created a context for a miracle. That's what yes does. Even yes in this room this morning might prepare you for an amazing miracle. And then we're going to look at the yes that Jesus gave to go to the cross, which is going to empower each of us this morning if we want to to give a yes of surrender, to give a yes of positioning. And so let me show you my childhood home. I grew up in Cornwall in England on a big farm. This was the, the manor house that went with the farm and that's where I grew up. Over 400 years old, this house, very cold in winter, beautiful in summer. I. I had great godly grandparents and parents, and so when I was 10, though, I realized I had to make a decision for Jesus. God does not have grandkids. He has kids, and they need to make a decision. And I was, I was very simple and naive, 10-year-old little country girl, always riding on my pony with my dad. He was kind of a cowboy. We don't have cowboys in England, but he was... He was a bit like that. He loved his, to ride his horse. And this, this decision for me was very real. It was so real. I went back. It was on the 6th of November. I went back the next day to my primary school. I hope you understand my, my English. I, I really don't know how schooling works here. But in England, it's primary school. I was 10. And I went to my headmaster and I said, sir, I need to tell you something. He said, okay, Angela, what? I said, yesterday evening... I was in a special service and I gave my heart to Jesus and it was amazing. He looked at me and said, oh, okay, please go and sit down quickly now. But my decision for Jesus at 10 was really important to me. So with my granddad's help, grandparents, we've got a big role to play still. With my granddad's help, I would do school assemblies every Friday morning because the headmaster wanted a pupil to do it. No one else would, 
But I did because I wanted my, my friends to know about Jesus. So in my, and you must understand, I was shy. I was a little country girl. Things were very simple. I had an idyllic life out in, in the Cornish countryside. But I loved Jesus. And so grew up through my teenage years in a very active, very large interdenominational youth group. And in me, there was this desire to serve Jesus. And so I did in my little way. I have three siblings, and just as a little family, we would play guitar and sing Christian songs. And, and, and we were in the Methodist church, and so they didn't have enough preachers. And so I got together with some other teenagers, and my parents would taxi us to places, and we would go and do services. And I thought that was going to be my little bit of serving Jesus. I'd given him my yes. And I was then left school at 16. I didn't understand why I needed to go to school, really, because I had one dream. My dream was to be, I wanted to be a Cornish farmer's wife. I loved the country life. I loved riding my horse. I could do the whole deal. I could drive a tractor. I could milk a cow by hand. I could, I could do the lot. And it's where I felt at home. And I'd got a boyfriend. And guess what? He was a farmer. He was in a very wealthy farming family. And he was older than I was. And so when I was 16, 17, he was four years older and he was wanting to get serious. His parents were planning for us. They'd bought a big new farm for us to move into. And so here I am turning 17 thinking, well, this is it. I'm going to fulfill my dreams and be a farmer's wife. And then 17 and a half, I heard about a mission team into Europe with young people. And so I talked with my boyfriend and I said, we should do that just once because if our plans work out by this time next summer, we are married and in partnership in a big farm. So he said, well, go ahead and look and see where you can go and maybe I can come too. Well, he couldn't make it because it was harvest time. And, but on the big list, on the top, starting with A, was Austria. And I said to my mum, I want to go and see those mountains where they do this skiing, because that looked amazing. I said, at least once in my life, want to see those mountains. I headed to Austria, 17 and a half. My boyfriend couldn't come. Had 10 days with a little tiny church. I couldn't understand why there weren't any young people and why there were only 15 people in the church. It's like, where are all the Christians? And the missionary said, Angela, that's why you're here. We don't have them. We need to, we need to reach them. I said, well, nowhere there are Christians. They said, no, no, just none. And yet I could see these big church buildings uh, of state religion everywhere. I said, well, what about them? And I'd hear the bell ring out every Sunday morning or every hour. And they'd say, well, that's kind of a monument to spirituality of the past, but not much life. And I went home a bit concerned. And so I did, when I got back home, what granddad said I should do and had been doing for years. I knelt beside my bed every evening and I talked with God. And I soon started talking to him about Austria. Did we see the 
the photo of the mission trip where I was singing on the square. Oh, the one with the, the orange rust-colored pants. That's, that's me at 17 in Austria. And so I went back home and uh, I said, I started talking to God about Austria. And I said, God, I think maybe you should do something because it's just not fair. I've got lots of Christian friends and we do life together and it's amazing. And there don't seem to be that chance for the, the kids in Austria. And I talked to him and he started talking to me. And so I say, God, couldn't you do something? And he was saying, Angela, couldn't you do something? I said, well, look, I'm, I'm going to pray. And he kept saying, yeah, is there anything else you can do? I said, well, within a couple of days, I thought about it. I said, well, I'll commit every month to give some money to the, the British missionaries that we'd visited. And I said, you know what, God, I'll be as generous as I can now. I was... Uh, working in a bank, and I said, when I get married next year, I'll times it by 10. I knew what kind of wealth I was marrying into. I said, I'll times it by 10. I said, that's going to be my ongoing bit for Austria. Within weeks of coming back from that first trip, on my knees beside my bed, saying, God, please do something in Austria. I didn't hear a voice here, but somewhere deep within me, I heard very clearly, Angela, I want more than your prayers. I want more than your, uh, your money for the missionaries. I want you in Austria. Yes, I was shocked, absolutely shocked. And I told God so. I said, you've got the wrong address. Don't you know, I'm just not up for that. I'm shy. I've, that was the first time I've ever had a passport and traveled. I said, I'm not even streetwise. I've never seen London. We didn't do holidays. We were a family farm, farming family. And every evening I would hear the same message, Angela, I want you in Austria. And one evening I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll say to God, if you can possibly do anything with me, convinced that he couldn't do anything with me, you can have me for Austria. So that's how I formulated my prayer. Okay, God, if you can do anything with me in Austria, you can have me. Thinking he'd say, you're right, Angela. I can't really do much with you. You didn't manage to learn a foreign language at school. In Austria, they speak German. <laughs> But that didn't happen. That evening when I just, and that's how I talk with, with God, I just said, you know, if you can do anything with me, I guess you can have me. And I can't really explain what happened that evening. But I didn't get the answer I thought I was going to get. God somehow got inside of me and got hold of my heart. And he put a love in my heart for a nation that I hardly knew. He put a determination inside of me and a faith, but a determination that my parents and everyone then in my world at that time said, you're just hard-headed. And yet I knew that I knew that I knew that I had given my life for a nation, the nation of Austria, and that God had taken me and had promised me 
the nation of Austria. And I was so naive, I just said, thank you, I'll take it. And so this was the beginning of a long journey for me. Yes, I broke up the relationship. I caused havoc in my world at that time for the young man, for his parents, for my parents, for everyone concerned. I said yes to a nation, I said yes to a call, I said yes to giving my life. That little yes cost me everything. I canceled a wedding, I turned away from wealth. This little yes caused me to have an enormous focus which made me feel a little bit strange. For the next two years, I couldn't get to Austria apart from on vacation. Austria wasn't part of the European um, Union and I couldn't have gone there to work. My yes was tested to the very roots. No one, initially, no one stood with me and believed that this was God. My parents, out of wanting to protect me, they knew me well. But I, I knew that I'd heard from heaven. The consequences of this yes meant that I felt very different all of a sudden to many of my friends. The consequences were I started living for something bigger, which in the little tiny world that I lived in, rural Cornwall was like, Angela, you are crazy. Who do you think you are? There's gonna be a reality check soon, but the reality check never came because God was at work. This yes stretched me massively. I had to apply to a, a big denomination, not the Methodist church, but a Pentecostal denomination as a, 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 um, could I be a missionary under their leadership? I had to sit in front of a committee of, of, of 10 men, pastors and leaders, all in their suit and shirt and tie. And they questioned me and then sent me out and called me back in. And they said, Angela, we though believe your story is a God-given story. And if you'll study theology, go through Bible college, we'll get behind you to send you to Austria. I was just 19. It stretched me. I knew I was gonna have to learn German. I had some specific choices to make because of the yes I'd given. I was gonna be the only one in the family to move away from Cornwall. And then at Bible school, this Italian came across my path. And as romantic as Italians can be, of course, he shared his feelings with me for, and dreamed of a future together. Wonderful. I didn't go to Bible college looking for a husband. I went to Bible college preparing to do what I knew God had called me to do, and that was to go to Austria. So what did I have to say to this amazing Italian? I said, you know what, Gianni? It's so nice that you've shared your feelings with me and dream of a future together, but you need to know, Angela comes double pack. 
there's Angela and Austria, or there's no Angela. Say, wow, you were quite a hard-headed young girl. I was focused. I was determined. I'd heard from heaven. I'd been promised a nation and, and had said, thank you, I'll take it. I had the fear of God in my bones because I, I had just sensed that this was God calling me. And my, my hard-headedness, stubbornness, my words to Janice put him on his knees and he soon got a call through his love for me for a nation that wasn't his own either. That's a lovely, wasn't his own either. Story, it's another one that uh, for another time. And so Johnny and I, I finished Bible school, he had finished earlier. We married in 1985. And with the next summer after we'd raised some, some funding, we headed for Austria. So you remember the home I left? The beautiful big marst home as missionaries in Austria? That was it. My yes had consequences, but it was worth it. And so we moved across, drove across Europe and, and landed in this little tiny nation that we hardly knew. Just seven, nine million people living there. At that time, I don't wanna shock you, but the statistics not only said there were very few evangelical Christians, they said there are more registered prostitutes in the nation than there are born again believers. So I'm talking about a very wealthy, very stable, very beautiful little country who doesn't wanna go to Austria on holiday. It is worth a visit. But it is, was known back then as the graveyard of the missionaries. It was known as the most unreached, untouched nation in Central Europe. Many missionaries, particularly American missionaries, lived in Vienna, but they lived in Vienna to be safe enough to, to minister into Eastern Europe. A lot of Eastern European countries all around us. The first three years were incredibly difficult. Learning German, serving other missionaries, and we, we thought that was our life, was gonna be serving others. But you know, in those three, first three years, we didn't see one person won or led to Jesus. It was if the, as if the Austrians, they just were oblivious to a living God. And just it just didn't fit into their understanding or, or culture. So we know the sustaining of a faith-filled yes in those first three years. We also knew what it felt like, the brutal obedience of a yes, or the emotional demands of a yes. When we were pregnant with our first child, three years in, not seen one person led to Jesus, the two little church plants we were serving both closed down, and we sensed God say to us, Angela and Johnny, choose any town, move there, and I will prove to you, and you prove me, I'm faithful, I've called you. Well, we did it. We moved to this little industrial town called Leoben, and I wanted to go back to Cornwall to have my baby. I knew I wouldn't understand much in the hospital, I struggled to learn German. And I knew I wouldn't get any visitors apart from my lovely husband. I said, let's plan to go back to Cornwall. 
And yet, again, I prayed and I sensed God speaking to me and leading and saying, Angela, I promise you, if you go into the hospital here in Leoben, you'll see natural birth. And I promise you, you'll see spiritual birth in this town. God keeps his promises, and we did. Our little Esther was 14 days old, and we led the first young lady to Jesus, into a, a relationship with Jesus. She then introduced us to her parents and another lady in the town. And in our living room on the eighth floor of a block of flats, we started, we planted our first church. Esther Grace is now 34, so that was 34 years ago. And we've gone on from there. The first church plants, um, there's a little map with a little dot here, and that shows you then all the other churches that we've planted. So that was 34 years ago, and now the yes that started on my knees back in Cornwall means that there are 14 little churches planted throughout the nation. Um, all led by Austrians, we're the only foreigners, all led by Austrians, all of, those, all of those leaders, we've had the joy of bringing to faith in Jesus, to discipling and training up, so they're like our family. And right now, we've got five, we call them startups, five little beginnings that are gonna become church plants and so there are only 79 towns in the country so we've only got 60 more to go and that's why it was well worth me making the effort to come and say to you thank you for helping us plant churches in Austria I'm gonna show you the picture of a little group of people, and one of them is Nicole. Nicole, I got to know her just, just last year in summer in one of our startups. By your support and resources, we've been able to release men and women to look after what we call startup hosts. That's just a couple somewhere who will open their home, their heart, and their fridge and invite people in. And we, more experienced pioneer pastors, me in this case here in this little town of Horn, I go and look after them. And I met Nicole last summer. And I said, hi, who are you? She said, I'm Nicole. I said, how do you come to know this little group? We were eight people in a living room. She said, during the pandemic, I started watching a German influencer and she's talked about Jesus. And it fascinated me because she said, I've had such ex bad experience with the state church, but yet I, I, I wanted to know God. And this German young influencer influenced her about Jesus. And then she said, I told my mom about it. And I said, mom, we need to find somewhere a church like this in Austria. So they found the live streaming of our life church in Vienna and started watching it every weekend. Then they got onto our website. They live out in the sticks. They live an hour and a half's drive from Vienna, right up close to the, the border with the Czech Republic. And she said, 
We knew we couldn't get into Vienna every week, but then we saw you've got a startup in Horn. She said, that's our next village, our next town. And Nicole, the startup hosts, or the, the guy and the, the lady right and left, Nicole and her mum and her siblings are part of our startup in Horn. Thanks to you, we wouldn't have had a startup there if we couldn't have facilitated it. Also, release me from pastoral ministry so that I can look after the group there. So that's how we're growing in Austria. And you're gonna help us see that nation changed you already are. I'm gonna move on quickly to a yes in the Bible. You know it, but I'm still gonna just read it for you draw out a few little points and then come to the place of you, if you want to, deciding to say yes this morning to Jesus in a specific way. So let's read together from John, the Gospel of John, chapter six, starting at verse five. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude Coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number around 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he he said to the disciples, gather up the frag fragrance that remains so that fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they'd seen the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus fed the hungry back then. He didn't send them away. Jesus is here today in our world through the Holy Spirit to feed the hungry. He could have done it with the help of angels back then or some other way, but he chose to use a little lad. And he, to feed the hungry in our world, is choosing to use us. He could have sent them away but thankfully, one of the disciples realized together maybe we can do this, and Jesus knew they could. So we've got this little lad with his lunch. Did the disciples rob it off him? You know, kind of got hold of him and said, hey, the master needs it, you better give it up or else? Not at all. Here we have a little lad who probably didn't understand what was going on or the context. I didn't understand much when I was 17 and gave my yes either. But a little lad who said yes, 
handed over his lunch and facilitated a miracle. We've sung about miracles today. Our yes facilitates miracles. He gave what he had. He wasn't asked to give what he didn't have. The miracle needed administration. Yes, that's often the case. That's why it's so good to live our lives within the context of a local church with, with, with faithful leaders that we can trust to administer the miracles that God wants to do in us and through us. And then at the end, it says, because of the, this miracle, Jesus was revealed. Your yes and the yes that comes often. I remember being a young mum and life was so full, three little children, no extended family in a nation where, which still didn't feel much like my home and my husband often away ministering and it would feel crazy and yet my heart was crying out always with a yes to God. And I, I can remember for months Every morning in the shower, I would just have my, I, I, I love having a shower song. And my little shower song was simply the word yes. I had my little melody and I would start my day by positioning myself with saying, God, yes. It's like saying your will be done. Yes to Jesus. And what happened with this little lad? He stood back and he must have, I mean, marked for life. He saw Jesus do an amazing miracle. Please let's not underestimate our yes. Yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes to his little nudges of letting go of unforgiveness and bitterness. Yes to his little nudges of being maybe even more generous than we've been until now with our encouragement, with our love, with our including others into our world. If you want to this afternoon and you have time, there's another lovely little yes story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Can't read it this morning, but you look, there's a beautiful lady who thought she was making her last bread for her son and herself and then gonna die, but gave her yes to the prophet. Many of you might know the story. And he asked for bread and she gave it to him and her flour and her oil never ran out. Yes, that was a miracle, but led to another miracle because her son died. And what happened? She called on the prophet who came and raised him from the dead. Don't underestimate our, what seemingly seems like an insignificant yes, can position us, can bring people into our lives that when we're in dire need, they will be the people who through them we see a great yes and a miracle. My last is the yes of Jesus. His readiness to go to the cross to empower us to live a life following him, to be able to give our yes. Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus was 
all man and all God, and he could have decided otherwise. He was not like a robot uh, being, being driven to do. He could have decided not to go the way of the cross. But he said, your will, not mine. The Holy Spirit is here, dwells within us, enables us daily to find a God-given yes in circumstances, very real circumstances in our life if we submit to his lordship. Often God is wanting our yes so that he can unpack all of his amazing gifts and talents within us. My last Bible verse, a little, just one little sentence from Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. When I gave my yes as a 17-year-old, I never dreamt that I would be doing what I'm doing today. In a, an academic Central European capital city, working alongside professors and politicians, influencing the nation. I still don't have a degree. I still only have my basic education, but my yes has brought me to places to influence people, to help people, hundreds of them, come to a faith in Jesus and shaping a nation because he's unpacked the gifts within me. And that's the thought I also want to leave with you as you together here build church in Washington. Be church, expand, influence your, your whole area. Your yes will mean that the gifts that are in you, the desires that you anyway have but don't know how to live them out can be unpacked. Maybe in your prayer life, particularly grandmas and granddads, Will you be praying for your grandkids regularly? I had a praying granddad for many, many years, and I know I'm here today a lot because of his prayers. You're investing your energy, your time, your focus, your yes for your life in your world. Maybe this morning there are some who've never even really given a yes to Jesus, to follow him as, as a disciple, as a Christ follower. It might feel like a massive yes. On one side it is, but yet it is really so easy. If you're feeling a nudge this morning to say, well, maybe that's a step I need to take or for water baptism or for volunteering or... There are so many areas, the power of yes. In whatever language you wanna say it, maybe it's difficult for words and you just wanna live out your yes. Well, live it out with joy. The power of yes can influence your world, help you to live a bigger life, which will mean incredible joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. Yes, I gave up everything. I've lived a pure adventure with my husband and, and family and we're still on a big adventure. I don't regret one moment. 
My husband and I turned 60 this year, and we've decided we're just starting through again. Because we don't have the nation of Austria yet. We've, we have a number of churches, we have some influence. But when I was 17, I said yes to the nation. And I've reminded God of it, and he reminded me of it. And he said, Angela, then make some changes and do it. And that's one of the reasons I'm here. I've never traveled on my own this far before and done this. Hey, I gave my yes, and it still got me on an adventure. So who wants to enter a new adventure this morning? Empowered by Jesus, who gave his yes. And so I'm finishing now, close my folder. But I would suggest we just take two minutes. If you want to close your eyes and just reflect. And just think, is there any area that I'm being nudged into by the Holy Spirit? Is there a thought in my mind where I could give a little yes or a big yes? Because it would be a shame to miss this precious moment this morning. It might be a yes that changes your world in a big way, but definitely in a small way. Let's just pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you for that we can sense your nudging and your, your impulses and the thoughts that are coming to our mind now. We receive them as being your thoughts. Father God, you're such a gentleman and you will force no one into anything, but you will invite us into a larger life with you, into an adventure, into newness of life by living forgiveness, by living out love and gratitude and inclusion. Thank you, Jesus, that this morning you're giving us opportunities to turn away from disappointment and say yes again to trusting, trusting you and trusting people. You're giving us the opportunity to say yes to serving you in a new way, to being builders in your house, creating a home for many who are not yet here. So as each individual father just reflects and in their heart maybe manages to say a new yes to you, a yes that it's allowed to cost them something, a yes that it can feel a little uncomfortable. I'm speaking now a blessing over every yes that is decision that is being made in every heart. Those that are deciding for the first time, I want to go on this kind of adventure with Jesus. Those that are deciding, I'm going to follow this Jesus and see where he takes me.
I bless each of the yeses in this room. Every little step and thought of obedience in following Jesus. And I just bless this whole church with increased influence and blessing in Washington and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.